online with Ammer the Internet Guy. Stream it today on your favorite podcast platforms. This podcast focuses on entrepreneurs and business owners, helping them become more successful in conducting their business on the web without being stuck with technology. Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode from online. Today we're discussing digital marketing. The problem with digital marketing is that the umbrella of digital marketing is so white and there are a lot of things that actually fall underneath. Sometimes even your website is part of your digital marketing. The issue is that in the past few years, people have been thinking about technology more than the marketing aspect itself. And one way or another, many people feel alienated when the term digital marketing comes into play. So what happens, you know, what is exactly, what exactly is digital marketing and how do I get it right? Is it SEO? Is it paid advertising? Is it social media? Um, is it email campaigns? Like, is it mailing lists and landing pages? And, and, you know, there's a million questions here. Luckily, my guest is an avid digital marketer with a great passion to help entrepreneurs and small business owners. He is in Vancouver and we've had a great conversation. So without further ado, let's meet Arjun Mundi. Hey Arjun, how's it going? Hey, not too bad, Amir. How's everything? All good, thank you. Hey guys, I've got Arjun here from Everyday Dreamers and uh, we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff, but the first thing that I'm interested to know is a little bit more about Arjun and the name Everyday Dreamers. So uh, how did that come about? Um, it came about in university, actually. So this is probably the second iteration of Everyday Dreamers uh, when we're actually trying. But in university, you know how it is. You, you want to start a business and you want to start a particular type of business and you spend forever thinking about, you know, what is the name of this? What is the logo? What is all this stuff? And it just kind of hit me one day. I remember I was sitting on my balcony just thinking about the day. And I don't know where it came from. People sometimes talk about, like writers talk about inspiration just hitting. Mm. I have no idea where the name Everyday Dreamers came from, but it just came to me. I'm like, Everyday Dreamers, <laughs> that sounds super nice. I want that to be the name of my company. So then I floated it by my partners and they also loved it. There was a bit of contention because it's like, okay, are people going to really know that this is a marketing company? The fact that the name has nothing to do with marketing, but so far we haven't run into any issues. So, you know, people really like the uniqueness sounding of it, I think. Yeah. I think it's uh, once you create enough awareness, it doesn't really matter what the name is. Yeah. Like you've got to like I it mean, and it has to stick in somebody's mind to, to remember you. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they don't remember like for a first time visitor, for example, to your website, maybe they won't remember all your services, but they're sure mm -hmm. going to remember the name. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the ideal is to have a name that sticks in people's mind, but also speaks to what you do, right? Amir, the internet guy, you know what I mean? Like that not only sticks in your mind, but it's also very, very clear what field you're working in, what services you probably provide, right? Every yeah. dreamer is less so. But it, it's more inspired from the Apple brand of names, you know? Apple yeah. has nothing to do with computers, but with, it's synonymous yeah, exactly. with it now, right? Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. My first job was at Apple right after university. But oh, yeah. at the time, they weren't so big on, on marketing it as Apple. It was mm -hmm. mostly Macintosh was the name that was used most of the time. Or you'd say Apple Mac. But yeah, it wasn't because yeah. they didn't have anything but computers. 
There were no mm -hmm. iPods, there were no phones, nothing else. Mm -hmm. So we touched on it and you said you're a marketing company. So I just wanted to give our audience a little bit of background on, you know, why a marketing company? Yeah, sure. Um, like why I, why I found Yeah, one. like the idea itself, kind of, you know, how did you venture into it? Sure, sure. Um, as I said, this is the second iteration. First iteration was just me and a few friends goofing off in university. You know, we were all in our last year of university. We kind of wanted to start something. So we said, hey, why not a marketing company? Because I had some background in marketing. Uh, before this, I had done some marketing for some festivals, um, some marketing around the university, and I had worked at a couple of agencies. So I had some background there. And we thought, okay, we can leverage this skill because I'm not bad at it. Um, we got some small contracts, but you know how it is when you're in university, you're not yeah. really focusing on the business, your focus is your studies, and it kind of just died out naturally. University ended, we all had to get jobs. I lucked out, I managed to get a job with the United Nations actually working in UNESCO in Paris. That was really, nice. really cool. But it really, about a year there, and I realized very quickly, I do not want to work in an organization <laughs> period. Um, you know, you're working for the United Nations, you're working for UNESCO, yeah. you, you feel like it should mean something, you feel like you should feel inspired to go into work every day. And I didn't really, I just felt like click. I was working on something bureaucratic nonsense that took forever to pass through, you know. So that was a bit of an issue for me. And that's when I re thought about everyday dreamers. That's when I was like, you know what, let's give this another try more seriously this time. Yeah. So, you know, saved up a bit of money. When was uh, that Arjun? That was about a year and a half after I, university. So that was about two years ago now. Two years ago. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, saved up a bit of money. Uh, my girlfriend, Nicola, you've met her. She said, okay, I'll help too. Then we had another friend, Spencer, and he had been working in more startup type businesses. So he's like, you guys know marketing. I know business. We can bring this together. And you know. Nice. So kind of just all started falling to get into place. And yeah, that's how it started. So we're all entrepreneurs by chance. Yeah. I mean, is anybody an entrepreneur any other way? No, obviously people are entrepreneurs any other way, but yeah, yeah you don't, I just fell into it. You don't think about it when you're in school or university. Like it's kind of, you don't think like, I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to do this. Like, cause the idea itself when you're younger is a bit scary. Yeah. I mean, for me and my friends, it was really exciting that idea, but I don't think any of us really understood the work that went into it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I became an entrepreneur by chance. I, I can't claim that I've been an entrepreneur like all my life or whatever. I come from the corporate world and I was forced to become an entrepreneur when I moved to Canada in 2016 and I couldn't get the job that I wanted. Like there were jobs, you can get a mm -hmm. job, but you can't get yeah. something as you rightfully said that makes you feel inspired. I mean, I don't want to say you can't because I don't want to discourage newcomers and new immigrants, but in general, it does take time for you to understand how everything works. And yeah. when you're brand new, just moved in and providing you don't have uh, any language issues, mm -hmm. it's easy to integrate, but finding the job that you want or finding a job that's closer to what you were doing before coming will take a little bit of time because you have no network. And, uh, you know, you're still trying to learn the ropes of how businesses operate here. And yeah. I found that, you know what, like, it's not, this is not working for me. I feel like um, 
like a player who's sitting on the bench, someone who yeah. wants to get inside and score, but the coach still doesn't know the player. So, you know, so, you know, I'm going to be my own coach. Let me yeah. <laughs> create That's a really my own good mindset. Yeah, I really like that mindset. I think, I think here, as you rightly said, it's network. That's one thing. But your job, even for my friends who are in normal nine to five jobs, not entrepreneurs, they can make the job into something they want. The difference really is that it takes them a bit longer, right? Yes. They get into a job. Right. They have to do some grunt work. And don't get me wrong. There's lots of grunt work associated with entrepreneurship too. Yeah. Uh, but it's different, right? We have grunt work in terms of like, we need to call people. We need to be outreaching. We need to do that. They have grunt work more in terms of like, hey, the boss told me to fill up all these spreadsheets, you know? Yeah, yeah. But regardless, it takes time to build the job of your dreams. The real choice for people is just like, are you going to do that in the office or are you going to do that on your own? Yeah. And whatever makes you happy is like, um, we were just discussing offline a little bit earlier on your website. I, uh, mm -hmm. I have to tell people about Insta. <laughs> <laughs> it's everydaydreamers.ca. I'm going to have the link posted anyway when the video is produced. But what caught my eye, the first thing is, is that the button for read our blog looked like an underwear. And I was thinking, yeah. like, why would anyone do that? And then I asked you, so I wanted to tell people why your button for your blog is an underwear. Well, it comes, it's, it's our name, right? Not, not Everyday Dreamers, but the name of our blog is Marketing in Your Underpants because I just could not think of a better name for a digital marketing blog, you know? What do I do? Well, I, I spend my days marketing in my underpants, you know? And I'd love our blog to teach other people to do the same. So, so yeah, I, I really like that name. Marketing in your underpants, is that like, like the connotation? Is it because of how easy it is or because of you do it from home so from that home. you're not dressed? Yeah, from home. It's not, it's not easy. But, but it's from home. And before like before Corona and everything, the name came about yeah. before Corona. So it was less, um, it was more original to be marketing from home, I guess, you know, now yeah. everybody does it. Yeah. Because I mean, I didn't mean easy as in easy as no, the work itself is easy, but compared to the traditional old style offline marketing is way easier. At least- Is it? I mean, if you think about it, I don't know. Maybe it's not. But the idea is because I'm an online person and I've been with the Internet for, I don't know, 20 years now. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's nothing that you cannot do online anymore. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, you're just sitting in front of a computer. Like yeah. we all accomplish different things. But at the end of the day, we're all sitting in front of our screen and our computer. The, the only thing that matters is the connection. Like if you lose that, you lose yeah. everything. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes As you feel bad. To... People who don't have a connection, yeah, uh, the digital divide, right? But like, um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I think maybe what you're talking about is there's less barriers to entry. You yeah. know, yeah. Like one thing that's always, and I don't really know because I I didn't really work in marketing before the internet, so I'm not hundred percent sure this is true. But I feel like marketing before the internet. Um, wasn't as accessible. Now I wouldn't say it's easier. Yes. There's a lot more that needs to be that needs to be done, but you know what to do. You just go and do it. You know. So there's more work. There's more busy work that goes into yes, it. Yes, you know? indeed. You have to add like five million keywords into your Google Ads, right? <laughs> so like that takes time. You yeah. know, researching that and whatnot. 
Whereas if you were doing that offline or the equivalent of that, how offline, would you like, this is the thing that it can't be done offline. What, how can you ask, how do you know what people are searching for or what, like if there's no internet, you have to walk in the street and stop, I don't know, 50 people a day to ask them what their interests were. Well, before the internet, um, ads were just ads. Like they weren't Google ads. They were, yeah. you know, ads on TV, ads on radio, billboard ads, right? Now, like the thing about those ads is that the creative for them takes much, much longer, right? Yes. You sit to, with it for a long time before you think about, yes, this idea is good enough to put on TV. This idea is good enough to put on radio. You know what I mean? There's no A-B testing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, you just or it's expensive. It you can't just put it on TV and pay all that money and then it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah exactly. But today... It's just you release something. It doesn't matter if it's a bad ad yeah. because you'll find out in two days because you're also releasing 10 other ads and you're like, oh, this one's performing badly. So I just switched to these ones, you know? So yeah, it's it's more busy work, but easier to do. You don't, yes. the creative doesn't take as long. That's you what, know what I, I mean? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking about. Yeah. I mean, since we're discussing ads as well, and this is one area that I get asked about all the time. Mm -hmm. And- you know, like in general, when people think of search engine optimization, they always remember receiving junk emails from halfway across the world, promising them yeah, yeah. <laughs> first page of Google and whatever. But luckily, those who contact someone they trust, like contact you, contact me, contact someone in our community. And we always tell them, no, don't actually respond to these offers. And in most cases, even if they're true, all what they do is they take your money and buy ads, but they're not actually doing something for you. Like you could buy your own ads if you wanted. The problem isn't buying the ads itself and paying Google or Facebook. The problem is actually finding the right things to put on the ads, like something that actually people are looking for, something that will get clicks to you or people will have more interest to learn more or whatever it is that it's on the ad if it's, you know, if you're selling yeah. a, an item or whatever. But in most cases, generally speaking, the average entrepreneur, like, let's say, I don't know, you're a yoga coach, right? You don't want to spend your time actually studying how ads work. You just want something to work. Like, so I want to know a little bit more how it works. Like what, what happens? Let's say if, if I'm like, I'm a solo entrepreneur and I want to market my services now, but I'm not sure where to start. What do I do? Um, it's so different depending on your strategy, your industry and what your goals are. Right. So you, you mentioned two things right there. You mentioned SEO and you mentioned. Yeah. Paid that, ads, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and for different strategies, it might be appropriate for different entrepreneurs, different who are starting up different companies. Right. If you're starting up, I don't know, a cannabis company or something of the sort, um, there are rules against advertising that using Google ads. So you probably mm. need to put a lot of your effort into SEO. Um, but if you're starting up, you know, a coaching service or uh, a marketing business where your yeah. average offer is $5,000 or something of the sort, then PPC is the way for you to go because it's a lot more competition on SEO. It's, it's difficult for me to give like, Hey, this is the one yeah, thing of course, that you there's can no do, one you know? size fits yeah. all. But the, the issues in most cases that people aren't sure where to look, 
to start with. Like, what do I, it's not, it's not, I'm not talking about which agency to use. I'm talking about the decision that you reach eventually that, hey, I need help with that. Like, how do I yeah. know that I need help? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, um, how do you know you need help? Yeah, like what's the, it's that, that's always the thing that I think about when I think business. So I try to go back to the point where I personally found out that, you know what, I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. I need help. Then I start looking into option. What type of help and, you know, uh, who do I well, use? How do yeah, I yeah. check the, the real or the, the service really fits me or whatever? But in the beginning, in, in most cases, you know, um, that what I found with online marketing is people always have the wrong idea mm. to what it is. You yeah. know, because there's so much, it's so big. Like we've we've touched on two things right away, like really a little touch. We didn't go deep into any of them and we won't for, for the sake of, you know, not making this like a seven hour long podcast. But uh, in general, there's so many things like keywords, for example, there's the keywords research, right? So people don't know how to go about doing that. So I'm trying to figure out for the regular non-internet, non-techie person who owns a business and want to make sure that they put their message in front of their prospects, the people who may have interest in what they're offering. Yeah. Where to start? Like what to do? What, how do you mm-hmm. know that you need help? You know what I mean? Is okay. it when you're not getting enough inquiries from your website? Is it when your phone is not ringing or, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point that tells you, you know what, like there are a lot of things that you could be doing that you're not doing. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It boils down to something isn't working. The difficult thing is figuring out what isn't working. So I can't really tell you like end of the day, if you're not making enough sales online, yeah, that's probably a good indicator that you need some help, which are digital marketing, you know, but it doesn't just have to be sales. It can be a million different things. Maybe you're not leaving the best brand impression. Maybe people, maybe you're mm-hmm. making sales, but people aren't sticking with your company. You know, maybe yeah. you're getting making sales but getting bad reviews. You know, bottom line is something isn't working, right? The chain and is something, broken. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you're looking, and it's not working the way you want it to, and it's not growing the way you want it to. You know, and that's when you probably want to get help. Um, and it's again, it's difficult because. Another situation that hits my mind is a lot of the clients who I sometimes help are people who don't actually have digital brands. They have brick and mortar stores, right? Uh, And are looking to bring their brand online. So like, how do those people know they need help? Well, you know, they don't have a system that isn't working. They just know they have a desire to bring something online. So a lot of different people are going to fall into a lot of different categories. But if you already have a business, if you're already trying some of these things and something isn't working, good indication that you should talk to someone. And digital marketing companies, here's a secret that a lot of people don't seem to know. Digital marketing companies give free consultations, pretty much all yeah. of them, yeah. you know, <laughs> like there's no, and I'm, I'm very happy to geek out over marketing personally. Yeah. I love it when people come to my website and book a marketing consultation. I don't care if they buy from me or not. It's yeah. fine. You don't want to buy from me now. It's you get excited deal. just to talk. Yeah. Just to talk to people and figure out what they're trying to do. Yeah, I can geek out about your business. I can geek out about the marketing for your business. I can set you up a roadmap. Sure, if you want me to do it, it'll cost money. But like, yeah. I can tell you what to do. I have no issue with that, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the more same. People, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
it's exactly the same case. Like when, when, you know, um, people think that web designers just go ahead, work on their own, figure out a design, come up with it and just like publish it and it's done, but it's not that it's your website is part of your business. It's a tool. So we like a good web designer got to understand how you're doing business. Like what's, you know, what's your process? What kind of service? Um, what do people get when they use your service? Do you have any kind of, you know, uh, guarantees or, or are you doing it completely offline or is there a part that's going online? Is it going to be e-commerce? And then if it's e-commerce, what's your refund policy? Things like that. How, where do you ship? How do you ship? How much does shipping cost? There's a lot of moving parts that goes into a successful website. I mean, it's so easy yeah. for a business owner to just go online, figure out. And get some website. Yeah. yeah, get something done. But is it going to yeah. work? That, that's the question. It may look really good because everybody mm -hmm. has templates now. Like you go Wix and Squarespace and whatever. But it's way harder to get something to click properly and work when you're kind of, I don't know, DIYing it without prior experience. And that's why I get yeah. really happy when they book the call because, yeah, I mean, if you don't buy from me, it's not, it's not a big deal, but at least you know what you need and you, you'll be better in searching for what you need than before the call. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're getting to a really interesting issue because I think part of the reason people don't like booking these free consultations because this is just free value that they yeah, think we're we uh, just, used car, car used car salesmen, but <laughs> they think we're trying to sell them. Right. And, and I understand that because at the end of the day, when someone comes to you, as you just said, you'll surface all these questions that they haven't even thought about, Yeah, you know? So I think people see that almost as a sales process. Like, Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. This person could like, they feel like they're being sold. But in reality, that's not the, they're not, we're not trying to sell them. Yeah. We're just saying, listen, if you're trying to achieve X goal, you probably need to think about these things, you know? So that's an interesting thing that I've been struggling with recently because I never want to sell someone. You know what I mean? I want them just to get yeah. the information they need to make their own decision. Um, cut that part out because my business partner know. would hate me for no, saying that I never want to sell someone, but yeah, no, uh, but no, no but um, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the word sales, like sales in general, mm -hmm. isn't something bad. Like we, even those business owners who are our clients, they need the sales. I mean, that's why they come to us anyway, like, cause they have to sell. Right. But it's yeah. the way it's done. It's not sales itself. The way. No that's problem. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, the so way. It's not, I'm not. I'm not saying that I never want to sell someone. Period. I'm saying yeah. that I never want to feel make someone feel like they've been manipulated into exactly sale. or you know force I mean? yeah. something on them when they're not really, you know, that goes against their gut feeling or. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I think and I think a lot of people do feel like that. Like when you're just raising questions, I know because like I've, I've like every now and then people try to sell me on their stuff, right? And it's like okay, cool. And when they're just raising questions, I have to constantly remind myself that, hey, they're just raising questions to help me achieve my goal. But it feels like they're raising questions to push their their service, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think about that sometimes because I think that's how people feel when I bring up things like, have you thought about this, this, and this, you know? And there's a lot that goes into switching, you know, if we speak about brick and mortar shop owners, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot that goes into switching stuff online. Uh, it's not about, it's not just about, it's not about tech. It's about 
how would you do business differently? So there's a little bit of change management that goes into it. And if you're not ready, it's not going to work. So like, for example, if you're used to doing business over the phone and then you make sure that somebody's there nine to five to answer that phone when it rings. But when you switch online and instead of the phone ringing, you're getting people to fill a form on your website. If you don't have an auto response on that form that tells people, hey, we've received your inquiry and we're going to get back to you within X, like whatever, one business day, two business days, whatever your strategy is, then it's like the phone ringing and no one picking up. So it's bad business practice. It's not about the tech. It's not about how the form was built. It's about how are you going to behave when this inquiry comes in in a digital format? What do you do? Who's yeah. there for Who's there for them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get people sometimes ask about membership websites. Mm-hmm. And most of them have great ideas why they want to have a membership website. But there are some people who don't know what to put in there. And logically, like before you think of the word membership, you first need to have the conclusion of what is the content that I want to lock behind the payment, you know, because all what all what a membership website is, is some content that is locked and you have to pay to get it. That's it. That's what it is. It's just yeah, a fancy name. It's membership. But like at the end of the day, you're locking some content away behind, a, I don't want to call it a firewall, but behind a wall and yeah. only people who pay get through the wall. That's it. So if you don't know what this content is, then you don't need a membership website. Maybe you need to drip content or, you know, don't post everything at once. Let give people a break and then something like that. So yeah, yeah. Different services means different things to different people. I'm interested to know from you, Arjun, how do we measure the, the efficacy of, digital marketing in general, I know we can't put everything in one pot and call it digital marketing. Like pay-per-click is different from SEO, is different from content writing. Is the, You know what I mean? But in general, I find that, for example, and I've seen this on your website, somebody from in your reviews, uh, I think, was it your website or your Google reviews? I can't remember. I think it was Google reviews. Said, hey, guys, if you need help with social media, contact these guys. Mm-hmm. And... I've always shied away when people ask me for help with social media because I don't understand what exactly do they need help with and how to measure whether, you know, uh, they'll be better after the service than where they were before the service. So the, the measurement part is the part that makes me scared to even hook them up with someone who knows how to get it done. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I don't normally get myself into something that I don't know about. I'd rather focus on what I know best and, you know, um, but people ask for different things and sometimes you don't really understand what they're asking for. Yeah. Um, okay. So there are really two things that you're aiming for online, right? There's credibility social proof, brand presence, all those things. I'm, I'm lumping, like there are many things that go into it, but I'm yeah. lumping it all under the umbrella of credibility. You know, yeah. you are a credible brand. And there's sales. There are those two things, right? Now, realistically, most of the digital marketing practices that you have um, are going to be measured by one of those two umbrellas, 
right? And these are, once again, I'm making huge broad brushstrokes, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but like, just to simplify it, um, if you have a social media strategy that is aimed at building credibility, then you have to define how it's doing that. Is it getting you more reviews? Is it building you a social media group? Is it just simply starting a social media account and getting some likes and engagement on there so that when people come there, they feel like, oh, people are actually behind this brand a little bit, you know? Like, what is the goal? And if it's a credibility-based goal, what is the metric that's gonna measure that? And if you define that in your original plan, then it's very, very easy. Sales is obviously much, much easier. What is the bottom yeah. line? How much, how many meetings have you booked? How many of those have converted to sales? Yeah. And it's very, very easy to see like, okay, this, like we converted really good, well off the first initial call, but no one actually closed. Something went wrong that close. Like, you know, you can, you, it's easier to say how to measure that, right? When you try to measure credibility, you really have to start with what are you trying to do and how is it making us more credible? Being in the top three spots of Google uh, organically makes you more credible. So like that is how you measure that part of growth. You yeah, know, it's also going like, to be two more five years. Or... <laughs> Depends yeah, no, on your no, industry, eight yeah, months. Yeah. yeah, about six eight months. I'm I'm joking. Yeah, because everyone wants to be on the top page of Google, but they, in in essence, to get there organically, you need the time because you're building. It's like building blocks. You know, you have to yeah, put brick sure. on brick on brick until the whole building is is ready. It's not but the an question instant. is for what, right? Like, yeah. do you want to be on the first page of Google for some word that no one ever searches for? Because yeah. you can do that tomorrow, right? Yeah. yeah if you want course. to be on Google for a word that is actually going to be profitable, that people are actually going for, then you're right. Maybe five years, maybe eight months. Like, it just depends on how much money you're going to throw at it, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, get back to the idea of credibility. If you're trying to build credibility somehow online, then you need to define what is success. Like, how is it building credibility? And then it's much easier to measure, right? So social media is mainly social proof or it can be sales if you're building a, a group, you know? Yeah. And so that's, those are, that's kind of what we do, right? If we're building social proof, then we'll start everything up. We'll focus on engagement and we'll say, hey, this is how we measure success because look, people, you had 400 odd people uh, engage with your brand in the last 20 days, right? And whenever someone goes to your page, they're going to see that engagement. You're going to seem like a much more credible brand. Uh, if we're doing sales and we can say, hey, 200 people are on this group now and they're all talking about your product. That's not only engagement and that's good, but that also functions as an extended mailing list. And now we can get you some sales from that, right? So it's to answer your original question, I really think it's about um, defining your goal, especially if you have a credibility-based goal, because those can be a bit ill-defined. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Just I think just measuring something by the amount of likes isn't. I would. Uh, I mean, okay, it's not bad to have likes, but if you only have likes and you don't have any sort of engagement, like comments, reviews, uh, people asking questions or talking about your brand, the likes alone would not lead to sales. Yeah, but it's not all about sales, right? As I said, this is yeah. sometimes it's a credibility-based strategy. In which case it can be all about likes. It doesn't have to be. There's yeah. more things that go into credibility than, uh, than just likes. There's, that, as you said, there's engagement, there's reviews, there's other things, just people talking about the brand, right? Maybe mentioning it on Reddit, asking questions about it. Right? Yeah, there's exactly. so much stuff that goes into it. But like, hey, if your main goal is like, hey, 
we don't look like a credible brand because when people search up digital marketing company, Everyday Dreamers, they come to our social media and it has nobody on it and no likes and nothing of the sort. <laughs> We're talking to ourselves, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you know what? Maybe our goal is to make sure all posts have 10 likes in them, right? Just yeah. so that there's something there. So it can definitely be the goal, but that's a very credibility-focused strategy. One specific part of credibility, right? It got me thinking right now, something very interesting because it's very interesting because I think I'm beginning to understand that digital marketing is dynamic. It's not, mm -hmm. you don't put a strategy and just use the same strategy for the whole year. It's at different stages of the business or different goals of the business can be achieved one at a time. So it's kind of a, I don't want to say, because I don't want to scare people. I don't want people to think, oh my God, if I get into this, I'm going to be paying somebody for the whole year. Uh, but th that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is to understand or to, to get my head around is that because when you're a, a new startup, like when you just said, if people Google me, for example, or, or go on Facebook and look, and there's just a page that has nobody on it, no likes, nothing. This is not good for the business because there's no credibility. So the goal might be credibility, but once you have that, and it might take some time, it might it might be very quick, it might take a month, it might I don't know, I'm not you know I'm not the one doing it, but <laughs> but in general, once you achieve that, you gotta set your next goal, and your next goal is not like your past goal. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean it it really depends on what you're. I'm sorry, all my questions, all the questions you asked me, I always answer with, I'm sorry, it depends on what you want. Yeah, no, like, but it is, it is, um, it, 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 is. it, it kind of is, a case it depends by on case. what you're trying to do. Yeah. Me personally, I don't really view it that way. I view it as a big machine that I'm creating, right? So like I'm creating a big machine that starts on our website, leads to email signups for specific things. And those email signups then go to our a social media mm -hmm. group and then goes re-going somewhere else, right? And so I'm looking at it as like a big machine a funnel that has a refeed yeah. in at the top, right? Or at the desire stage or whatever it is, right? Um, but you don't have to. If you're just starting out, it's it's completely okay to just start with a couple of things to say, you know what? My brand would be 10 times better if I had 100 likes on Facebook. Go get 100 likes yeah. on Facebook and then switch gears completely and say, now, okay, now my brand would be really, really good if I got exactly. 10 sales, you know? So you can definitely do that. It depends on you know, what, what is the goal here? Are you a digital marketing company? Because then, yeah, you probably want to be thinking in terms of a big machine that you're building. Or if you're a digital market company that relies heavily an e-commerce company that relies yeah. heavily on digital marketing, right? Are you a brick and mortar store trying to move online? Small bite-sized goals, completely okay. You know, it really just depends on your situation. But because the situation is fluid and it will change at some point, you got to be ready for the next phase, right? It's not, you can't have a strategy and just fix it and say, that's what I'm going to do for like, I don't know, the next two years. I, I mean, okay, when <laughs> um, I'm trying to confuse everybody right now. Um, your Here, marketing maybe strategy. Help. Maybe help. There's yeah. a brand strategy, right? Exactly. So like, for that example, doesn't change. That doesn't that, change. That's yeah. the big thing, like the umbrella on top. Yeah. That's but the little static. bits... There are individual campaigns yeah. that are directed towards achieving your brand strategy, right? And your brand strategy is necessarily loose, right? 
what is Jeep's brand strategy? Jeep's yeah. brand strategy is to associate the word Jeep with the word tough. You know, Jeeps yeah. are tough, yeah. right? But like, and that's really, really loose. Obviously, there's going to be more than goes into it. But like, that's really, really loose at high level. That's what it is. The individual campaigns that go into achieving that are going to change on a daily basis, right? Or a weekly basis. But the brand strategy, Jeep is never going to switch gears completely and say, okay, now we yeah, want to be drop the tough. Not, yeah, yeah right? no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. But you could start like, you know, uh, I don't know when Jeep started, probably before we were born. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when they started, they probably wanted, there was no Facebook. But if, if Jeep was a new company and there is Facebook, probably the first day they started their campaign, they just wanted to have some likes. Just to, to try and build a little bit of awareness that, hey, we're here. We're about tough cars and whatever. And then once that is done and accomplished, the next task that they have to do is maybe to get people talking about the brand. So maybe they want to try something different from just getting likes. I don't know. Maybe they want to try a, some sort of a, I don't know, competition or whatever. Something to get people engaged. Yeah, right? yeah. And yeah, you're right. Those can change. Like maybe you find out, maybe you try to get 100 likes first and then you find out in the process of doing that that um, all 100 of your likes or 90 of your 100 likes have come from opposing car makers or something of the sort. Yeah, yeah. Right? So maybe you're like, okay, maybe I have to change my strategy up a little bit. Maybe I have to be fluid in that. So like your overall brand strategy, what you're trying to do hasn't changed, but the campaign has shifted because of the results you've gotten. And that's totally fine, right? Is it expensive? This is a very question. I'm not asking you to say pricing on air, but is it expensive to use a digital marketing agency? Because people always think, oh my God, I'm going to be locked into a, I don't know, some kind of a retainer that's going to cost me an arm and a leg. And uh, I know the answer to the question, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> is, is hiring a digital marketing agency expensive? I mean, what kind of budget are we talking about here? Like, okay, look, hiring at any, anybody professional is expensive quote unquote right in yeah. the grander scheme of things no it's not expensive when you look at your finances for the year no it's not a major expense you know but when you look at the price right in front of you yes it is expensive especially for a small business owner right um yeah does that answer the question like i guess what i'm saying here is that look it is it's, if you're if you're just starting out yeah then yeah, it's, 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 it's a thousand bucks and you're not going to be locked into a retainer. If you have a digital marketing company coming at you and saying, Hey, you are locked into our fee for like one year or something of the sort. No, yeah. Don't that, do it. that maybe yeah. is a bad sign, right? What we do personally yeah. is I, we, we do have like a three month term or something of the sort. And I've been trying to get that even lower because I don't want to lock people in, but the balance here is that very, very often when you do things like SEO is that, look, it takes a couple of months. It to takes time. Exactly. You can't right? do it. You can't do it and stop. Like you, you'll be stopping short of reaching your goals. That's the thing, right? And yeah. So we do say, hey, three months. Um, and then what we do is we talk about our relationship outside of that. So we say, and after that three months, that'll be the initial push. And after that, we'll review and we'll do X, Y, Z, Z, Z. And, you know, so we, we talk about a relationship extending beyond the three months. And we find that helps our customer retention a lot, right? Um, but... Yeah, if you're if I'm a small business, I remember when I was just starting this. Yeah. If you told me like, yeah, you're gonna have to work with a company who takes a thousand bucks every month for three months, I would be like, yeah, that's expensive, you know. 
Yeah. Now that you're a bit bigger, maybe no, maybe it's just a smaller fee, right? But like when you're starting out, it can be expensive. That part scare, and, may scare people, right? And but- that's okay, right? Because what you want to do if you're just starting out is make use of those free consultations, right? Yeah. Go to yeah. a bunch of those. Find out a whole bunch about this. Get the process down. Get ready. Get yourself yeah? ready. Get the process down. Understand what goes into this. Let's say you want to do SEO or Google Ads or whatever it is, right? Go talk to a bunch of people about your potential SEO practices. Find the best strategy, the one that really resonates with you. And then if you want, do it yourself, right? And if you don't want to do it yourself, then be like, okay, I can get the money together for this one digital marketing agency that really impressed me. I'm going to go ahead with this, right? But like, it's also okay to just get the information because a lot of people eventually get the information and they're like, you know what? I can put this into effect myself. Exactly. And a lot of times it doesn't work. You end up doing it and you start realizing that that's a lot of work that goes into it. But there's no, I always encourage people to use these free consultations as much as possible, especially if they're thinking that this is a very expensive Mm -hmm. price because they'll understand more about the area. Once you know the value you're getting Mm -hmm. and how much time and effort it saves you, it's not going to look expensive anymore. Because, I mean, I I see this with websites all the time. Uh, I don't know, like, you know, the average website costs, what, like, $3,000, $2,000, somewhere between, depending on how many pages and what functionality in there, whatever. And that's like the average small website that has five, six pages, right? Um, But a lot of people start out by thinking like, you know what, I'm a startup, I'm bootstrapping it. I don't have $3,000 to hire a web designer. And let me do it myself. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do it on WordPress or I'm going to do it in Squarespace or whatever. And then they start, which is a good thing, because you need to get your hands dirty to understand what goes into it. Yeah. And then at the very start of it, it seems so easy, right? Because you're only, you choose a template or a theme, you click, there are some photos there, you change it, you put your own photos, you choose a font, you start typing and you're very excited, right? Mm -hmm. Until you hit the brick wall with something technical. Like, you know, I don't know, you put in a form and it's supposed to be sending emails, but that's not happening. Or you want to link this to your MailChimp so that when people sign up, they go on your whatever. Or, or the whole thing is too slow or something is broken. And then when you hit that, you realize that this will cost you from your time and some, somewhere around, I don't know, 20, 30 hours to learn how to fix the stuff that's not working. And here when the frustration comes and you feel like, why am I doing this? You know, and uh, I've yeah. spoken to some people who spent... Um, uh, I think Erin, she spent how long? 120 hours on her website. Yeah. Uh, and she was on my episode number 10. And it's 120 hours. Like, how much is your hourly rate? Like, if you calculate this, your website would have cost you five, six, seven thousand dollars whereby if you hired somebody, they'll do it faster, better, with less cost. Yeah. So it's true. the same thing. You could try to do, I don't know, Facebook ads on your own you end up just making Facebook more money. <laughs> yeah, there are ways like, look, you can, everybody's capable of doing a good job yeah. on a website on their own or Google ads or Facebook ads or anything on their own. The trick is really, as you said, the 120 hours to learn it, the time to learn it. What we do is we save business owners time, same as you, right? You save them yeah. time to do this yourself. Everybody can do it, but it does take time. 
I mean, I, I pull my own like, hair hey, out so that you don't have to. Yeah. Hey, I would have loved to hire you uh, a year ago when I started my making my website. We've spent <laughs> over 10 grand, I think, on making oh our God. website. And hey, it's an impressive website. It looks really good. When it's done, it's going to be yeah. really spiffy. But yeah, a lot of mistakes along the way. No, and for a digital marketing I mean, company, right? You, yeah. you, you, uh, like I know a matter. little bit about this and it still was difficult. It, it really doesn't matter because like we can all learn different things that's the beauty of the internet. The information is out there. You can learn things and you can act on them. But the question you should be asking yourself, do I use these hours, these many hours to work on the business, to work with my clients? Or do I use them to learn tech and make my website better? So yeah. if you're a web designer, web developer, you're always learning. You're always using this time to make things better for your clients, for yourself. But if you're, I don't know, a yoga teacher, if you're a, a, a marketing company or, you know, it, you're not necessarily going to use whatever you learned in your website learning process. Again, that's time wasted. That's time taken away from your customers. And yeah. that's time that you weren't paid for. That's the other thing. So it, generally it goes like this. It's either you do it from your own time and you got to decide how much your hour is worth, mm -hmm. right? Or you get somebody else to do it for you. And hopefully their hourly rate is less than yours. So you're making money or not wasting money. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, there's a lot to debunk there, I think, because um, I don't think when people first start their digital businesses, especially nowadays, right? No one, like a lot of people start their digital businesses, um, as a side hustle, right? Yes. It's something on the side. And I have a lot of respect for the people who do that and figure out their own marketing because then it's they've done a proof of concept, right? Yeah. They're like, hey, my product has value. I figured out the value proposition. I figured out how to get it out there. And that when that person comes to me, I can just take their marketing higher, mm -hmm. right? Same with their web dev, right? Maybe they've got together a Squarespace website that's decent, but you can probably take it much, much higher. So I have a lot of respect for people who figure out at least a base level on their own, because that means two things. That means when you actually come to a professional, the professional can help you take it even further. Exactly. And yeah. two, it means that no one's going to take you for a ride. Yeah. One of those people, uh, one of those people from God knows where in the world is not going to send you an email about SEO getting on the first page of Google and you're not going to buy You're not going to fall that. for it. Yeah, yeah you're not you're going to fall for that, right? So I think there's a lot of value in doing it on your own a little bit, right? But maybe, maybe, but like, as you said, it depends on your goals. Are you a yoga teacher who's decided that I am going to do this full time? Probably hire a professional. Are you a yoga teacher who's working at a practice and then has decided, actually, you know what? Maybe I do this uh, on the side as I'm figuring it out. Yeah, do your own marketing until you're ready to make it a full time thing. Of course, I mean, it's good to know also when you're DIYing it, Mm -hmm. where you can find help when you need to like it's, it's yeah there is help available there are different things that can be done and there's um, free help available yeah we've talked about our free consultations obviously yeah. right and those are a great space of free help but even when i was first starting when i was in university there's so much help online just on quora just on reddit people have the answers you know so yeah there's um there's a lot of resources for someone who's getting into this world i love that so i think 
we've covered like pretty, you know, pretty much a lot of, of marketing stuff here, digital stuff. I, I don't want to bore people or uh, turn it into a very techie uh, conversation of what you can do on your own and what is the stuff that you probably need help with. This is something that every individual would have to decide on their own and yeah. how much is their time worth mm -hmm. and if they're okay pulling their hairs out while they're learning. Uh, so it's a, it's a journey. Everybody takes different entry points to that journey. And, but at the end of the day, it's good to know that there is help available. And Arjun rightfully said that there's also some free help available. Uh, and not only in the forms of, hey, Google it or go on Reddit or Facebook groups or whatever, you can also book the free consultation calls. These are actually very good value. I mean, I, I for one, sometimes evaluate this and think, should I continue doing this? Because it's a number of hours you know, of my time that I would otherwise be paid for. But I enjoy them. I enjoy getting to know people. I enjoy doing these podcasts because I get to know people like you. I get to know industry professionals. I get to speak with them and, and you know, uncover some information that I personally didn't know about. And uh, so now I have a little bit better understanding of, you know, how digital marketing agencies work and, um, they're not expensive when you look at the value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The not expensive point's an interesting one because uh, once again, you come back to those umbrellas of credibility and sales. I find that um, we're not very expensive when you look at the sales we've brought in the company, you know? But, and those companies that we're bringing in sales for that we have a sales focused um, agenda for, they don't think we're expensive at all. And there's never a question about our services because they're making so much more off our services, right? On the other hand, companies that hire us, specifically small businesses that hire us for credibility-focused efforts, social media, SEO sometimes, yeah. I hear more often than not that our services are expensive for them. And that's because they're focusing on credibility and it's harder to judge those, judge that as a bottom line yeah. thing, you know? Um, the measuring yeah, is not as yeah. easy as sales. The point there, I guess, is that, hey, if you're a small business, maybe focus more on sales than the credibility things, which is more for maybe medium-sized yeah. businesses and businesses that are getting out of the small business stage. In, I don't know. Some people probably, or some businesses, mm -hmm. may be doing very well with sales, even though mm -hmm. when you look online, they don't look like they have a ton of credibility. And that's because they're probably selling quite well offline anyway. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't care. They, I mean, if you're making like, hey, I, would I care a lot about my social media if I was selling up like 10, just, uh, 10 uh, clients a day? You know, if I have a system that's working, then I probably don't care yeah. that much about my credibility. I've seen very successful entrepreneurs with crappy websites and no social media presence whatsoever. If you have a system that's working, they're that's selling fine. well offline. They don't care yeah. what didn't care well because the reason they spoke to me is because they're thinking about the online part now. And yeah. when you look and you, you think like, oh my God, like look at that website. It's built 10 years ago. It's ugly. It's not mobile friendly. It's like, you know, it's got all the don'ts that we tell somebody don't do. Yet this company or this business is making a lot of money already. Like, you know, yeah. they, don't, they didn't really care up to the point 
that maybe, I don't know, COVID, <laughs> COVID is accelerating the digital intake now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because post COVID, whatever you did as a business owner during COVID to pivot would help you grow. Even like now that, you, now that you're doing stuff online and getting some success online, it can only grow from there. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that COVID pushed some people to think about online when they've ignored it for as long as they did. Yeah. I think people naturally hit a plateau. Um, like it's, I know plenty of coaches who have a terrible online uh, presence, but are making money hand over foot because they're great salespeople in digital, uh, in, in networking, networking contexts, exactly. right? Even yeah. digital networking, right? But what I notice is that they all hit a plateau eventually. They got a lot of small clients and eventually they want to make it over to bigger clients. They want to start coaching businesses. Mm -hmm. They want to start coaching CEOs. They want to start intaking bigger clients, right? Um, Those are the clients who are going to be looking at your digital presence, your online presence maybe, right? So you eventually hit a plateau and you start losing some of the clients that you're going after because you have a bad digital presence. Exactly. So, so I guess that's just to, um, to tack on to the point I made earlier that, you know what, a lot of businesses don't care because they're making money hand over foot. Yeah, if you have a system, great, rep it. Understand that eventually you'll probably hit a plateau. Yeah, and be ready to change when change is needed. Yeah. We were supposed to talk about copywriting. <laughs> we didn't yeah, get to I that. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the copywriting part is, is you know, is a gear in the big wheel of marketing and it's an important gear. Um, And initially I think I had this idea of talking about copywriting in general because I'd interviewed an editor and we were discussing the difference between a copywriter and and an editor and, and what each of them does and whatever. And also because as a web developer designer, I have a problem that many of my clients, when they come for a new website, they don't have content. So I'm happier working with a client who has an older website that's not working for them or that's dated and doesn't reflect the brand and they want to refresh and redesign because they already have text in there. They already have some kind of content in there. And during our design and redesign, we could get them to go and review what's there and tell us if they want to change it. The problem happens when you have a a startup or a brand new website doesn't have a brand new business and they don't know what to write and it's kind of no matter how many times you tell them it's way easier than you think they see this as a stumbling block and i wasn't sure if hiring a copywriter is the answer to these prayers Uh, but i don't know like i keep telling people you know what you know you're all great at what you do you can explain it as an elevator pitch, you can explain it when you meet somebody in real Canadian superstore, like, hey, what do you do? Uh, I'm a CPA accountant. I do this, this, and this, right? That's the stuff that goes on your website. It's so simple. So I don't get why people think it's too complicated. If you can talk, you can write. Like, <laughs> it's not... Yeah, that's a really interesting point. It's almost being manifest, right? Like I remember when I was in high school and I remember it's happening to a lot of my friends too. Uh, teachers 
beat conversational writing out of you, right? They say, no, that writing is too conversational. Yeah. And I hope they still don't still do that in high school because um, now the way you want to write online is conversational, right? So I think a lot of people feel like their writing isn't supposed to be the way they talk. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It should be. It should be the way that they talk. Um, it should focus on the benefits of your service, right? It should it yeah. should solve their problem. It's there are some background pieces that people maybe should think about around like what is the problem they solve, et cetera, et cetera. But those are just good things to think about if you own your own business anyway, you know? Yeah. Um are copywriters the answers to those prayers? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like the thing is that you can hire a copywriter who maybe won't deliver the best. Like if you hire me, Ethan, right, as a copywriter, and I'm a, I'm a decent writer, um, I'm not going to be able to help a business that doesn't know what the key exactly. problem they solve is. So this is the thing, like it, the copy, th that's the thing that I want to tell people about and be very clear about. The mm -hmm. copywriter is not going to invent something to write about your business. You gotta, you gotta come up with some sort of content. Maybe the way you write or the way you're gonna be talking about your business as a business owner isn't the best way for results online. And that's okay because the copywriter will turn it into the stuff that will go online for you. But they won't come up with the idea on their own. I mean, some can or to a certain extent, but that's not what you want. You want to think about your business. Like the reason why you got into that type of business anyway, and share it with your audience. That's like the story. It's kind of, I don't know. I, I don't want to formalize it into, you know, strategy and marketing and something that sounds a bit too corporate or too hard to do, but it's kind of, what's your story? It's like, um, I told the people in the first episode of this podcast where the internet guy name came from, right? And part of it, because my name is very hard to pronounce. Like they, they couldn't say my name and they were afraid if, you know, they say it wrong, I'll get offended or something. So they just call me the internet guy. Like, you know, I'm meeting with the internet guy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it just went on from. So it's kind of why I do what I do because I like helping people to transition from non-digital to digital without pulling their hairs out. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So if you're a CPA, if you're a yoga teacher, I don't know why I keep saying yoga teacher because of maybe my sister does it. And, uh, but if you're a coach, if you're a, um, an owner of a small coffee shop or a, I don't know, a bakery or something like that, you got to think of, you know, there are tens of bakeries in your area or, or more, or maybe thousands in, in, in BC or, or in your state or wherever you are, right? Mm -hmm. What There's a passion that you have that made you choose that specific business to do. There's something that you do well that you know that you do well. Share that with the world, right? And then my idea is like, if you just either jot it down as you're in your own words and then, or even record it on your phone, just do it as an audio file if you don't want to write and yeah. give this to a digital marketing company that has copywriting services or an editor, they'll do it for you. They'll give you the final version that is supposed to be the one to attract people to click and want to have a conversation with you. That's the whole goal. Yeah. 
Um, a lot of thoughts there. So you used a really dangerous word. You used story. And story, yeah. That's, that's really, that's a, that's a trigger word for me. That's actually the reason I got into copywriting originally. I'm, I'm, I was very, very interested in storytelling, right? And what is storytelling? How does it happen? How does it happen in a digital context specifically and through copywriting? Um, one thing I've realized through thinking about that is that it's never about your story. People don't care about your story, right? Uh, the protagonist in this story that you're telling is the, is the lead, is the yeah, customer. It's how right? you solved something that wasn't, you know, is the raison d'etre, what your existence, what, what problem do you solve, right? And yeah. in your story, some of the stuff in your story, because what made you go into that specific business is because there was a problem that needed to be solved and you've decided to solve it yourself. But the, the problem here, I think, is that you keep on referring to it as your story. It's not your story. You are not Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You are Yoda. You know, you are not, uh, you are not, um, you're yeah, the teacher. You're, yeah, exactly. You're the guide. Yeah. You're not, uh, what's another one? Um, I have another one for Frodo. Frodo and Gandalf. You're not Frodo, you're Gandalf. Uh, but yeah, the whole point. I haven't watched that, so I don't know. You I know the name. Okay, definitely, definitely do. Yeah. Uh, but the, the main point there is that, look, if you write your own story and give it to a copywriter, that's going to be a happy copywriter because they can make something out of it. If you're looking to do your own copywriting, you can't think of writing your own story. You have to think of it from the lead's point of view. Someone coming to your website, they want to see you as the guide to their eventual happiness, right? Mm. Or to their eventual goal, maybe not happiness, maybe their eventual goal, right? Uh, so you really need to start by thinking about like, how do I position my product as the solution to their pain? And, and you can do that in a variety of different ways, but if you think of yourself as the guide, that'll come easier. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The the teacher. I mean, the uh, in England, the bus is called the coach. Probably not everybody knows that. So you say mm -hmm. I'm getting on the coach, and then when you look when you look at the word coach in, in dictionary, it means doesn't necessarily mean vehicle as in a physical vehicle like a bus or a car, but it means something that takes you from point A to point B. And that's what coaching, in my opinion, that's my, what coaching business is about. Like if I'm a coach, my job is not to do it for you. My job is to let you do it yourself. And I'm going to be taking you from where you are right now to where you want to be. So my job is to make you go through the journey yourself with my guidance. Yeah, just about that. And um, back to your original point about, you know, a business owner who doesn't have content. Um, a business owner who doesn't have content should probably hire a copywriter, but as you said, they should have some base to give that Pointers. copywriter yeah. uh, about why they came up with the business, et cetera, et cetera, the problem that they solve. But out those things really what ends up happening, and we've, we've done contracts where the business owner hasn't given us that kind of thing, and we have to come up with it on our own. What ends up happening is we end up writing the way we would sell that business, mm. which is not about the business owner then, right? It's not his yeah. business. We have, we have put our own spin about it. It might do the job. And if you're fine with that, then that's fine. But if you really want this to be something personal, something that has your touch on it, your spin on it, you need to come with something personal. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm, I love it that way more. Mm -hmm. I know there are like different 
ways of making it work. Mm-hmm. But personalization, like I'm too, I'm big on personalization. That's that's why I refer to it as the story. And I, I don't really mean that you should bore people with every little details of your life. Uh, or then I found this. Yeah. No. Yeah. Or yeah. put what you eat on Instagram because I hate that. But <laughs> like, where does the food go before your stomach? Oh, I don't know. It goes on Instagram. All right. <laughs> Arjun, thank you very much for being my guest today. I really enjoyed our conversations. And I hope we will meet on Zoom or maybe in real life uh, when we get vaccinated. (laughs) Sounds about right. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Amir. It was lovely. Take care. Have a great day, man.